Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And we're in a series right now exploring the twofold ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit within us, which is for our own life of holiness to please God, and the Spirit upon us. That's power, for power and gifting to minister to others. Uh, in the Old Covenant, certain ones were anointed by the Spirit upon them to fulfill their ministries, but they could not yet have the Spirit abiding within them. And that's because they were not yet born again. Uh, the new wine of the Spirit could not live in the old wineskin of their unregenerated spirit. And so it's changed now through Christ's death and resurrection. Uh, in the new covenant, Jesus has opened the way for us now to be born again with our spirit made alive with his resurrection life. And so now it's possible for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in our spirit so that we become mobile temples of the Holy Spirit. And understanding this revelation of the Holy Spirit within us, that the Holy Spirit lives within us, this is so important because we have this amazing resource within us, living in us. And we need to constantly live in the awareness of the reality of the mighty Holy Spirit who lives within us and who is available to help us. He's the spirit of holiness. He's the spirit of love and joy and peace and power and wisdom. And he lives within us and we need to learn how to tap in through fellowship with him into all that he is and has within us. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he who is in you that's the Holy Spirit, then he that is in the world. Anything in the world, any situation in the world, the Holy Spirit in us is greater. You know, we know that nothing's impossible to God. With God, all things are possible. But Jesus also said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. How can that be true? Well, because he who believes has the greater one, the Holy Spirit living inside them, for whom nothing is impossible. And so, for those who believe and who are able to draw upon the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible. Praise God, because nothing's impossible with God. So, what we need to do is to learn how to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit within us, and nothing will be impossible to us. And that's why it says, we can do all things, all things that God tells us to do, that is. We can do all things through Christ, who strengthens us through his Holy Spirit within us. Praise God. Well, if God tells us to do something, then we can do it because he gives us the power through the Holy Spirit within us to do that. And so we're going to look at who the Holy Spirit is today, the personality and the deity of the Holy Spirit. We need to get more aware uh, of and more acquainted with the wonderful Holy Spirit who's living within us. We need to get to know him better so we can cooperate with him draw upon his life, draw upon his power, and then together we can become a dynamic duo for God. Today we're asking the question, who is this Holy Spirit who lives within us? We're going to study the nature and the power of the Holy Spirit. And there are two things of great importance that we need to emphasize. First is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Because often people just think of him as, as an impersonal force. They, the power of God and many cults actually describe him that way. We will see however that the Bible is very clear about the personality, the full personality of the Holy Spirit. Don't think of him as a thing, he's, it's he. 
Secondly, we need to make clear that he is God. He's not only a person, he is a divine person. God is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, lives in you if you are a believer. That's an amazing thing. So the Spirit of God is a person just as much as the Father and the Son are persons. And that's why he's described as equal in deity to the Father and Son, sharing the same nature, the same name as our personal God. Because it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Again in Corinthians, Father, Son and Holy Spirit are shown as equals and each of them fully personal in their relationships with us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and communion, the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You see, if we're to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, then he must be a person. If you think of him just as an impersonal force, you'll never have fellowship with him, you'll never ask him for his help. You see, if you don't honor him as a person, living inside you, you will grieve him. You'll frustrate what he wants to do in your life. He is put alongside the Father and the Son. In all the Trinitarian verses of the Bible, he's put alongside them as a person and as an equal person to the Father and the Son. So let's, let's look at some proofs of the fact that he is a person distinct from the Father and Son. Now you see, the word spirit can, can also mean, you know, breath, wind. And so some do see the spirit just as the breath of God, the, the wind, uh, the force of God. But the Bible says that God is spirit. You see, that simply means he's not material, he's not physical. Uh, but God is personal. Obviously he is because we're made in the image of God and we are. We have personality, we are persons, and our personality is a faint echo, a faint shadow of the, the higher dimensional personality of God. So just because something is spirit doesn't mean they're not personal. The Holy Spirit is a person. Well, we also know it because personal pronouns are used of the Holy Spirit. Rather than uh, him being called it, uh, he's called he. Um, in spite of the fact that the word for spirit in the Greek, pneuma, is a neut neuter word, neuter gender. But so normally you'd expect the spirit to be called it if he was an impersonal force. But he's always referred to as he. For example, we read in John 16, when he, not it, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He, not it, will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Again in Ephesians 1, says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who, not which, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. And this is because he's a person. Secondly, we see that he is described as possessing personal attributes and characteristics. You see, only persons have intelligence, have emotions, and have will. And all the personality traits are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Let's look first of all at intelligence. He has intelligence. He knows all things. 
We read that in Corinthians 2. God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows you see, the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. You see, the Spirit searches and knows all things in the depths of God, and then he reveals them to us. Not only does this tell us that he's personal, because he has intelligence, but also that he is all-knowing, he's omniscient. And therefore, he can be nothing less than God. You see, because he knows everything that is in the depths of God, and God knows everything. Since he knows all things, it's, we, then that's why he can give words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And we're going to see that in the next scripture that we look at. Well, secondly, the Spirit possesses a will. Let's see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. You see, the Holy Spirit has a will, so he is a person. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit has emotions, he has feelings, as only a person can have. Acts 15, 28, it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So the Holy Spirit approved of something there. He possesses, he communicates, he gives love, as only a person can do. Romans 15 says, through the love of the Spirit, strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Romans 5 says, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And then, of course, Galatians says, the fruit, the produce of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and so forth. These are all personal attributes and emotional dispositions of the Holy Spirit, which he infuses into us, into our spirit, into our life. The Holy Spirit can also be vexed and grieved, as only a person can be. For instance, it says in Isaiah that they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. And it says again, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Well, thirdly, not only does he have attributes of personality, uh, he also, we see in the Bible, actions that he does are personal. Personal actions are attributed to the Holy Spirit. For instance, he speaks and commands. The Holy Spirit said, now separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work which I've called them. In Acts 21, thus says the Holy Spirit, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So only a person speaks. And then it says he testifies. When the Helper comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And then again he teaches. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And then it says he intercedes. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us. The Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And then again it says he guides. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. These are things that only a person can do. He ordains. Acts 20, 28 says the Holy Spirit has made you overseers over the flock of God. He forbids. 
They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word of God in Asia. They tried to go in Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. He works miracles. It says that the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away and that mighty signs and wonders were done by the power of the Spirit of God. So he works miracles. He strives with man. He tries to win us to God. Genesis says, the Lord said, my spirit will not always strive with man. He'll only do it during this lifetime. He can be tested. How is it? It says that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of God. He can be lied to. Peter says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You can only lie to a person. He can be resisted. Acts says, you, speaking to the leaders of Israel at that time, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. He can be sinned against and blasphemed. The blasphemy of the, against the Spirit, said Jesus, will not be forgiven men. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. He can be insulted. Of how much worse punishment will he be thought worthy who has insulted the Spirit of grace? says the writer of Hebrews. And then again, he is called another comforter or an or helper. Now there are two words for another in the Greek. One is another of the same kind and one is another of a different kind. And so when Jesus was telling his disciples he was about to go away, but he would send them another helper to take his place on earth, uh, he was referring to the Holy Spirit. Now, it says in John 14, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. And the word is alos, which means another of the same kind as Jesus. And it says that he, not it, may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him, not it, him, nor knows him, not it, but you know him, not it, for he not it, dwells with you and will be in you. This helper is, of course, the Holy Spirit. That's clear in verse 26. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Well, we see here in this passage the dynamics of the Trinity. All three persons, they're clearly all distinct from each other, but they're working together in harmony. The Son asks the Father, and then the Father gives and, or sends the Holy Spirit in the, to us in the name of the Son. The Father gives us another helper of the same kind as of Jesus. Now here's the point. This is a, another person, a different person to Jesus, but he is another of the same kind. Well, Jesus is a divine person. Therefore, the Holy Spirit must be a divine person, you see. These things, are, the fact whether he's a person or not, and the fact whether he is God or not, these are so important that if he was not both God and a person, then he could not be described as another comforter comparable to Jesus. John 15 says that the Son will send the Helper, the Spirit, from the Father. He says, when the Helper comes, whom I, the Son, will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Notice the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all distinct persons. They're not identical, but they're all related to each other, but playing different roles. In John 16, 7, he says, if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. So it's clearly different. Jesus is going away, and the Helper is coming. 
but if I depart, I will send him to you. And so the Father sends or gives the Spirit through the Son to us. That's how it works. For the Son, you see, asks for and receives the Holy Spirit from the Father, and then he sends or gives the Spirit to us. So it's the Spirit flows from the Father through the Son. And so these Trinitarian relationships you see in dynamics and the way that they're described, they prove that the Holy Spirit is God just as much as the Father and the Son are God and they're all working together in harmony. Now we're going to establish again, prove to you the deity of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's amazing that the person of the Holy Spirit lives in us, but it's even more amazing when we realize that the Holy Spirit is God himself. What a privilege, what an opportunity to enter into and experience and to enjoy the life of God, the power of God that has taken up residence inside us. You know, the fact that the Holy Spirit is fully God is so important. We need to establish it because it's important that we honor him and worship him as God. You know, the fact that the Holy Spirit has been sent from the Father to do the Father's will, and that the Spirit glorifies the Son, that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is inferior. It simply describes the inner harmonious working of the, of the Trinity. So let's talk about the fact that the Holy Spirit is clearly God in Scripture. Number one, he's called God. And here's a key verse in Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. Then he says, you have not lied to men, but to God. Notice, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, and then he says, you've lied to God. What is done to the Spirit, you see, is done to God, because the Holy Spirit is God. And then again in Corinthians, it says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? That the Spirit of God dwells in you. Do you see? Two parallel complementary statements. We are the temple of God, but we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. So the Spirit must be God himself. We are the temple of God, which means God dwells in us, but then it says the Spirit dwells in us. So we are a temple of God and we are a temple of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God. And then again in Corinthians chapter 2 Corinthians it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. Now here, the Spirit is given the divine title of Lord, and the same title given to Jesus. And notice it goes on and says, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, where is he? He's in us, there is liberty. Yes, praise God, the Spirit of God rules in our spirit, giving it liberty over sin, over death, over curse. Our spirit has been set free, praise God. And we are now being transformed, it says, from the, that is a word that means we're being changed from the inside out. Why? Because the Spirit lives inside us and He is transforming us. We are being transformed into the same in image as Christ from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Spirit of the Lord, who is the Lord Himself, lives inside us and He is changing us from glory to glory. And that's why it says in Philippians, it is God who works in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. Who, how does God work in us? Well, we know from other scriptures, it's the Holy Spirit who's in us. So again, God is, the Holy Spirit is God working in us. 
So he's called God in Scripture, but also the Holy Spirit has the attributes of God. That means attributes that belong only to God, and therefore he must be God. Number one, he's eternal. Only God is eternal. Let's see that in, in Hebrews. It says, Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. So he's called the eternal spirit. He's co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and Son. Then it says he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows all things. In John it says, the, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. There's nothing he doesn't know. There's nothing that he's unable to teach. In Corinthians that we saw already, it says, God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. So the Spirit knows all things that God knows. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And so this says that the Spirit has full access to all the depths of God, the fullness of the knowledge of God. So he knows all things. And, and this omniscience includes foreknowledge of the future. Only God can know the future. But in Acts, it says, Peter says, this scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas. And you'll see in Psalm 69, 25 and 109, verse 8, there was prophecy thousand years before the time of what Judas would do. And it says the Holy Spirit spoke that beforehand because he knew it beforehand. Only God has that kind of knowledge. And then it says in Acts 11 that Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. He's saying wherever I go in heaven, earth or hell, God is there. The presence of the Holy Spirit is there. Only God is omnipresent. He's also almighty, omnipotent. It says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. That's the, the Holy Spirit is the power of the highest. He carries the infinite power of the highest God. He's holy. He's called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Holiness. That's his name because he's holy in himself as only God is. Created things like us are only sanctified or made holy through contact with or union with the Holy One. God is called the Holy One, signifying there is no other one who is holy in himself but God. Therefore, the Holy Spirit must be God. Then we also see that the Holy Spirit does divine works, works that only God can do. Creation, for example. The Holy Spirit was involved in the work of creation, but only God can be the creator. It says in, in the Psalms, by the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host by the breath of his mouth. And this word breath is the same as the word spirit. So we could say, but the host of them were created by the spirit of his mouth. And so we see there were two great agents of creation, the word of God and the spirit of God. See, when we speak, our spirit and our breath go forth with our words, filling and empowering them to, so they produce the required results. 
Likewise, when God spoke this universe into existence, his spirit went forth with his word and brought it to pass. And we can see the Trinity working here as well to, to fulfill the divine work of creation because the Father created by sending forth his word, his Son, in the power of his spirit. Psalm 104 says, you send forth your spirit and they were created. So the Holy Spirit is the creator. We see the same thing in Genesis, don't we? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void, darkness on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. So whenever God creates something new, he uses two agents together, working together, his word and his spirit. His spirit, you see, full of power, was hovering, waiting for the word to be spoken. And as soon as the word was spoken, he moved with the word, empowering the word, bringing it to pass. The Holy Spirit's the active agent of creation, and only God is the creator, you see, so he must be God. He's also the one who created us, as it says in Job, the spirit of the Lord has made me, and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. And just redemption too, just like the divine work of creation is the work of the triune God. It's planned and commanded by the Father. It's executed and accomplished by the Son, by the Word, in the power of the Spirit. And so the same is with redemption. The Spirit of God is involved in our redemption, along with the Father and Son. The Son was conceived in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit. For instance, it says, the Holy Spirit to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One that is born will be called the Son of God. The Son was sent to do his work in the power of the Spirit. In Isaiah it says, the Son speaks, the Lord God, that's the Father, and his Spirit has sent me. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer. And again we see that God raised up Jesus from the dead through his Spirit. And the work of resurrection is something that only God can do. If the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Praise God, the same Holy Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead lives in us. And in the new birth, he saved our spirit by raising it up from death to life. And he's also able and willing to release that resurrection life into our bodies. And as we saw before, it's the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us, transforming us from glory to glory into the image of Christ. So just as God, only God can be creator, so likewise only God can be the saviour redeemer. As Isaiah says, I even I am the Lord and besides me there is no saviour. But the Bible reveals that the Spirit is fully involved with the Father and Son in our salvation. Well, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Scripture, but the Scripture is the Word of God, inspired and authored by God. Hebrew says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says in Scripture, today, if you will hear his voice. In Samuel, David said, the Spirit of God spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. Here, the Holy Spirit's called God, the rock, the one who inspired the words of Scripture. Peter says, prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And then again, Timothy, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. This literally means 
All scripture is God-breathed. It's the product of the breath, that is the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God is the author of scripture, which is the Word of God. So he must be God himself. You see, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, the greater one. God himself lives in us, on the inside of us. Therefore, we shouldn't fear, but we should rise up in faith, saying, I will not fear, for the greater one, the Holy Spirit, lives in me. Praise God. The mighty Holy Spirit is in me. He's not a force, but he's an all-powerful divine person. Let's honor him as such. Let's get to know him, fellowship with him, trust in him, lean on him, living in the consciousness of his presence. He's here to help us, to strengthen us, to empower us, to teach us, to lead us, to guide us. He wants to fill us with his love, joy, peace, goodness, life, wisdom, and health. He lives in you.